Hello folks, this is Rico, and you are about to hear another uh, episode, edition, special fun podcast of Treks in Sci-Fi. This is going to be show number 609 for November 6th, 2016. What you're going to hear this week is actually uh, from uh, the most excellent, most excellent, I sound like um, Bill and Ted from uh, that movie, right? I don't know, did they just say excellent or most excellent? I don't know. Uh, or maybe Wayne's World. That's going even back further. <laughs> I digress. I'm sorry. The uh, show you're about to hear is um, something that was on the, the excellent Star Wars Stack show. Uh, it's an interview that uh, Chris Clemente did with uh, author John Jackson Miller. And Chris was kind enough to share this uh, interview file and audio uh, with me. He did this about, I think it was about two months ago, early September. And released it on, again, the excellent Star Wars Stacks. If you're not listening to Star Wars Stacks, you should be. Uh, if you're, uh, Especially if you're interested in Star Wars uh, books, especially. And they talk about Star Wars and Star Trek from time to time. It's with uh, Jen and uh, Joe and Chris. You guys all know them. If you have been listening to Treks and Sci-Fi for a while, and if you already listened to Star Wars Stacks, you probably have heard this interview. But uh, we thought it would be good to play it for you here on Treks and Sci-Fi for those that maybe who don't listen to Star Wars Stacks because the interview with John Jackson Miller, uh, it, it touches on Star Wars books, but it also touches on Star Trek quite a bit because he's uh, got a new book out. So um, I'm not going to spoil any of that. They, they talk about um, uh, all of that on this show. It's about an hour long. So um, I appreciate Joe, uh, sorry, Joe, Jen, and Chris, but Chris especially since he did the interview. For sharing this file with me. A couple of announcements uh, just related to the schedule for November. The um, Well, you can still see the Halloween episode. If you haven't watched that, go over to vimeo.com forward slash Treks in Sci-Fi. Sorry, Trekkie, right? I always get that confused. Not always. I usually remember. You'll, you'll find it, I think. Yeah, vimeo, V-I-M-E-O.com forward slash Trekkie. Uh, the, the Patreon link is the Patreon for donating to the show is Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Treks and Sci-Fi. That's the slight difference there. Uh, or you can always go to treksandsci-fi.com to, to view all the podcast history and everything. That's your best bet if you're not sure. Or don't remember these links. Uh, what else? So upcoming for November, uh, John Jackson Miller interview by Chris today. In a week, I'm going to cover a DS9 episode, which has been a long time since I've covered a DS9 episode. I used to do about one Trek episode uh, a month, uh, and now there are months where that's even slipped. And and if you count, you know, I try to vary it from series to series. So it can be a good five, six months uh, at least before I get around back to, you know, I try to go... I try to spread out, you know, a TNG, TOS, Enterprise, DS9, you know, Voyager, you know, I, I try to, anyway, so it can be like, <laughs> again, five, six months. So I'm, I'm covering like a couple of episodes from each Trek series a year at this stage. So, but that's fine. I've covered quite a few. Uh, anyway, we're going to look at that next week, or I will. Uh, it's called the, uh, In the Cards. It's kind of a Jake Nog story uh, about a search for a baseball card for his father. So, That'll be next week. On the 20th, there'll be a guest cast. I haven't quite decided on who that's going to be yet. Hopefully, Mark uh, will pop in. Mark's pretty re reliable for a show a month about a classic sci-fi movie. And then on the 27th, the very end of this month, uh, Jen and I are going to get together and do another little Trek chat and talk about uh, Enterprise, I think, this time. So uh, that's what's upcoming on uh, your schedule or for Treks and Sci-Fi for the next month or so. I just got back from uh, almost a week in Vegas at this big SEMA car show. So I'm a little still tuckered out, uh, so it's nice to have a guest cast this week. So uh, that's about it. I'm not going to talk at the end of the interview. I, I just want to say thanks again to Chris and, of course, John Jackson Miller uh, for joining Chris for this interview, uh, which is really fantastic. And uh, so go buy some uh, John Jackson Miller books, and I'll talk to you guys again soon. Here's the interview uh, with Chris and John.
Hey everybody, welcome to Treks and Sci-Fi. Uh, my friends are not here with me today, but I do have a special guest, New York Times best-selling author John Jackson Miller. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I've got your book pre-ordered, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, very good. So it's a pretty fortuitous night. We're recording on 50th anniversary eve. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I was just tweeting about that. Some uh, somewhere fifty years ago tonight, somebody was going through the the TV guide and looking at the listings and saying, "Well, this is really strange. I wonder if we should uh, skip watching My Three Sons in order to watch this because that was uh, that was what CBS had on, I believe." So, and I think um, I'm pretty sure it was Star Trek was sort of a ratings bonanza at first, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I I'm not I'm not sure about that part. I think it, it was always it was always yeah. a struggle. Uh, yeah, NBC was uh, yeah particularly uh, on some of the nights uh, that uh, you know the show was on. Uh, you know the you know it was into some fairly challenging time slots. Right. Um, now, of course, you know, once we get to the syndication days, obviously it turns around and becomes a huge deal. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, Lucille Ball, she actually sold her production company, uh, you know, before the end of the first season. So, uh, it was, uh, it wasn't one of those things where it was, oh, wow, this is a bonanza. We've got to keep this thing. Uh, of course there were, there already was a bonanza on the air and it was over on another network. <laughs> Actually, it might actually no. It might have been on NBC. Now that I think about it, anyway. I, I think I'm, it was. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm old, but I'm not that old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was mixing it up with Batman. Batman was like a that was one of those like really big. Those one of those shows that started off like super like crazy. Supernova. Like, yeah, yeah, that one was that one went crazy, and yeah, that was ABC. So yeah. that was. But that um, was... yeah, I was just I was just looking at the date. I'm like, oh shoot, it's tomorrow. So, um. We had, uh, you know, we have some some new stuff. We had Star Trek Beyond uh, in July, which which I thought uh, was a really fantastic Star Trek movie. I don't know how you felt about it, but I I thought it was a, a step in the a really good step in the right direction for a, 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 a for the new uh, universe. I thought it was the best of the three. Absolutely, yeah, it was really really well done. I thought that the, that the actors kind of honed their versions of the characters really well. Um, so, and then we have Star Trek Discovery coming uh, in January. That's right. Uh, and that should be, it looks like it's going to be something that we may not have seen before. I don't know. It's hard to say because they haven't really given us much information. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. All that we know for sure is that uh, what was announced this weekend at uh, Star Trek Mission New York, uh, they are doing tie-in uh, material uh, there's a novel that's going to be coming that uh, David Mack is writing that was announced, uh, and also IDW is doing a comic book, and they're both coordinating with uh, Kirsten Beyer, who is uh, one of the authors that works on the Pocket Books line. So that uh, that's uh, kind of a cool thing right there. That is cool. Um, we did hear that the main character is going to be called uh, Number One, so interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Interesting, uh, interesting. And uh, and Byer is is uh, in the actual writers' room of the show, so that's that's the connection there that I I forgot to add. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you know uh, we we lo- I love her work on the Voyager uh, yeah books, so that's that's fantastic. Um, and the last time you were here, uh, you were uh, Takedown had was on its way. I believe it was a few months away when when I, I spoke to you, and I was ve- I was very excited about it. I wanted to let you know I did read it. Of course, and it was it was fantastic. It was a. Oh, um, I think you did a really good job of making it a very accessible book for somebody that maybe has not read every single because the, the, the Trek continuing universe continuity. There's a lot of different series going on, and they're sort of overlapping events and things like that. So I thought you did a really good job, and I was it was a really uh, interesting, a very interesting take on 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 that sort of story of two friends going up against each other. I thought it was. A, I really enjoyed it. It was good. Oh yeah, I you know I tried to make it like it uh, you know uh, the the uh, novella that I did was sort of like a single episode of the series. You know, this kind of felt more like uh, you know either a two parter or a movie. Hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I really was trying to get it to, to be something that would be approachable for people who weren't into all of uh, the other fiction necessarily. So you pretty much only needed to know who Riker and Picard were. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you were golden and, uh, you know, there obviously it helps if 
you're familiar with Dax and it helps if you're familiar with, uh, well, I won't give it away, but we, you know, one of the, uh, the episodes of the next generation series that ends up being a, sort of the linchpin to uh, this whole thing, hmm. uh, and which the story becomes a, a sequel of, but yeah, I always try in all of my tie in stuff to make it something that people can, you know, read from, uh, you know, hitting the ground running if they can. Yeah. I really appreciate that sequel to that episode, by the way. It was, oh, very good. It was good stuff, and uh, yeah, and I, I'm. I mean, I'm not a hundred percent on the relaunches because there's just so so much. Um, I've read some of the D Space Nine, like I, I, I mentioned the Voyager books, but yeah, this that was very very enjoyable. So when you announced that you had a, a upcoming trilogy, you have you have the uh, big uh, Trek trilogy this year. So uh, like, well, the, there's two. <laughs> oh, there's <laughs> yeah. another one. Yeah, yeah, there was one that was this summer. So yeah, that that's was, right. Uh, Leg- Legacies was legacies. The... But that was a round robin kind of a thing, whereas this one was you know, me taking a year and a half and going away and coming right. back with this thing. So, so yeah, that, you know, that would, I, I think of like in the vein of like you know David Mack with Destiny or oh, yeah. uh, like the uh, the, uh, co- the the data uh, rebirth uh, cold, equi- uh, cold, cold equations. Cold equations, yes. Yeah. Which which those series were really really well done. Um. So I'm looking and and you're you're sort of following up with my guilty pleasure uh, Star Trek movie, which is Star Trek Three. It seems to get overlooked a lot, but it's one yeah. of my, it's one of my happy place movies. Like if I'm kind of grumpy, like Star Trek Three for some reason just does it for me. I don't know why. I know Wrath of Khan is like, you know, everybody just that's your easy answer. But, yeah. But Search for Spock just it's a little bit more Star Trekky. You know what I mean? Well, I would I would agree with that. I would rather watch three than two, and that's recognizing how good two is. Yeah. Uh, two is intense, and three is uh, you know it it, it is uh. It's the family. It's the characters all together on a crazy mission uh, to go help their friend. And uh, yeah, and particularly we have this villain there who you know is is obviously not Khan, uh, but you know this really gives us our first taste of what the more uh, you know 1980s and after era Klingons are like. Uh, you know, we, we we get a we get a good feeling for that. Um, and you know, this is, this is where we start to get the language introduced and, um, you know, obviously the bird of prey, which yeah, I gotta love, uh, I've, yes. been, I've been living on birds of prey for the last <laughs> year and a half in my mind. And of course I've had a bird of prey sitting on my desk yes. uh, as I, uh, as I, as I write. And, uh, of course we, we named the, uh, the trilogy prey because, uh, <laughs> yeah, there are, uh, no less than 12 named birds of prey in this uh, series. There's a squadron, and uh, I managed to keep track of them all, which was uh, which was uh, wonderful that uh, that happened. You got to love Klingon <laughs> names too, you know, uh, the ship names, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and so I I did my best to make sure that any letters we had were actually part of the Klingon alphabet, and uh, <laughs> you know that, uh, and obviously there are exceptions that get made for these things, but. Uh, you know, I I did go and uh, you know consult with uh, you know one of the people who you know teaches uh, with the Klingon Language Institute uh, <laughs> to make sure that you know sort of the new words that we coined were somewhere in the realm of being somewhat correct. Uh, and if it's not correct, it's not his fault; it's my fault. So it's uh, <laughs> you know, and, and we we uh, you know the, the one of the other nice things was that since. Because this was a trilogy that was going to be released monthly, uh, that changed the proofreading schedule for it. So it meant that, you know, at the end of book one, while book two was being written, right, uh, and, and ditto for two and three. Uh, but uh, you know, then we also had you know the benefit of uh, me at the end being able to do a couple of proofreading rounds where all three books were on my desk simultaneously. Right. So I was able to get everything, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, coordinated and, uh, I got, uh, there shouldn't be any continuity problems within, uh, the series itself. You know, if a guy has an eye patch in book one, he should have an eye patch in book three, uh, <laughs> because, you know, I was keeping tabs on all of these things and, uh, able to go back and, and, and fix it in a way that is not always possible, um, on some other books. Uh, you know, we mentioned takedown, that was a book where it just so happened that every proofreading round almost without fail hit me while I was in the middle of a convention mm. or or traveling or something like that. And, you know, it's still got to get done. So yeah. uh, you do your best. But, um, you know, the, the books wait for 
you know, they, they don't wait for you. They, they, they come out when they come out. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I, I think it's pretty cool that, so you kind of come up with a, a pitch idea and you can, you can, you can pitch it and you can pitch it, you pitch it as a trilogy. So that, that's, that's a, a pretty cool idea. And, um, so basically are we looking at, I don't want to, obviously we're not going to go into spoilers. The book hasn't been released and you're not going to give me any spoilers, but I mean, is, is it something that, is there like a prologue in the 23rd century? Do we spend any, a significant amount of time in the 23rd century or is this a mostly a 24th century series? Uh, it, it is, it is mostly 24th century, but there are significant 23rd century elements. Uh, the thinking was, you know, since this is the, the book series that's being released, Right after the 50th anniversary, uh, I wanted to do something that spanned uh, the entire time period from the original series all the way through to the next generation and really take a look at uh, the Federation's alliance with the Klingon Empire. And of course, you know, that, you know, back in the days of Star Trek three, our our first, uh, you know, sort of moment in this book uh, it, it connects to that. Uh, you know, I, I was able to. Uh, sh- plant some elements in that distant past that impacted uh, the 24th century characters uh, and uh, you know, presented them with a challenge. Uh, what I came up with was a notion for a political crisis, uh, something that was uh, along the lines of, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, you know, sort of these political thriller movies like mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, back in the sixties, you, you had, uh, seven days in May where you've got Burt Lancaster as the, uh, general, uh, military general who is, uh, you know, planning a, a coup against the president of the United States. And you have Kirk Douglas over here as the, uh, as the, uh, junior officer who figures out what's going on and mm-hmm. has to sort of thwart it all. Uh, I wanted to do something like that here, but I also wanted to have room to really sort of spread out. Uh, and you know, depict how uh, this event was going to affect the lives of individual characters, both in the Federation and individual Klingons, and show some Klingons of a sort that we hadn't necessarily seen before. Um, the sort of the, the the key moment in this uh, connects to uh, the events uh, you know, several months after Star Trek Three. Uh, it just happens to be a hundred years before where we are currently in Star Trek Next Generation novel chronology, uh, and this has to do with the the settlement of the House of Krug. Uh, Krug is, of course, Christopher Lloyd's character from Star Trek Three, the uh, the Give Me Genesis guy, Admiral uh, Kirk. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, well, he gets uh, you know he he comes out of that movie extra crispy, uh, <laughs> and uh, and so that's the end of him. But we had known through some of the other books and comics through the years, they had mentioned that there was this House of Krug. Uh, and I took it to, to, from there and I said, okay, I, I presume that he was actually the head of a, uh, a Klingon house that was an industrial power uh, situated along the frontier between the Klingons and several of the other species that were out there. Uh, and uh, that uh, you know, his house specialized uh, in making really high quality birds of prey, and of course, you know, we get to see the first you know, our first look at uh, the bird of prey is is you know his uh, his ship in that uh, in that movie, uh, and so what we have uh, depicted in the novel is uh, the first novel, Hell's Heart, uh, is uh, this battle for control of his house, hmm. uh, and we we learned that uh, you know a hundred years later we learned that. Uh, uh, clearly, this this uh, this thing has been disposed of. That this that, you know the house has been settled in a certain direction, uh, and it actually falls to Admiral Riker. Riker is now an admiral uh, in uh, the Federation uh, because uh, of or in Starfleet rather because of you know some uh, shenanigans that happened in some <laughs> of the other novels, uh, and so he has an important diplomatic role. Uh, Riker also has a special connection with the Klingons, you know, having served, uh, you know, as an exchange student, uh, <laughs> back in that great episode years ago. Uh, and we get to see, uh, him directing Picard and Enterprise, uh, in this, uh, what is it, what is a diplomatic duty to help the Klingons commemorate 
the hundredth anniversary of the settlement of the House of Krug, the battle, because that battle happened to take place on a planet which back then was an unclaimed world, but now it's in Federation space. Hmm. And everything sort of spins out from there. I won't say what happens, but I wanted to create a series of incidents that uh, would make it difficult for the Federation's allies, uh, uh, Chancellor Martok and others uh, in the Klingon Empire. Uh, I wanted to put those guys on the spot. Uh, and I wanted to also put you know, the, the Enterprise crew and, and uh, Riker and the Titan crew on the spot as well, that there is this thing that is happening. There is this, you know, there, 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 there are conspiracies here within conspiracies and there are mysteries. And there are, uh, w- one of the things that's fun about being able to do it as a trilogy is, you know, we, we find out, you know, one set of conspirators in book one and then we realize, you know, in book two, we may not have everything. <laughs> uh, so uh, it, there's there's other stuff that's going on. So, again, I, I got to really focus on all of this. Uh, you know, the three books, you've got room to spread out and use quite a bit. I was able to use, uh, you know, of course, uh, the, the Enterprise crew, Worf, major, possibly the most important character in the trilogy on the on the heroic side uh, in terms of in terms of uh, his actions through the book. Um, you know, we have uh, Riker and Picard, of course. Uh, Tuvok has a really significant role uh, in dealing with uh, you know, this mystery. Hmm. Uh, he's he's on the uh, he's on the Titan uh, right. in that series of novels. Uh, but we also have Dax in there somewhere, and I, I won't say again exactly where. But uh, you know, we just had uh, you know, a big sequence with her in the uh, in the Starship Aventine over in uh, over in the novel uh, Takedown, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, things were a little iffy between her and Riker. Uh, yeah, she's as, not... a result, as a result of that novel. So, so I get to have a little bit of continuity with my own stuff. Um, and, uh, and you know, I, there is even a little bit of continuity that, uh, that, uh, you know, plugs into the, uh, the Titan, uh, novella I did called absent enemies. Uh, but I, I get to do, do all of this. And then there, there are some villains that are extremely fleshed out, uh, you know, various antagonists, uh, and you know, I really enjoy being able to play all these various characters off against each other. Uh, and you know, another significant figure in this book, and wow, this guy was fun to write, uh, is uh, is Emperor Kalis. Right. Uh, and that is, of course, uh, the clone of Kalis the Unforgettable. Uh, pops up in that uh, Next Generation episode, uh, Rightful Heir, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and. You know, he had been, you know, he, he appears in a, in a novel all to himself. Um, well, actually, it's not all to himself. It's half half uh, half modern Kalis, half the ancient Kalis uh, that Michael Jan Friedman did, uh, you know, almost, gosh, it's almost 20 years ago. Wow, yeah. Uh, and I, I, I have a few callbacks to that. But he's really been in retirement, more or less, in the novels over the last... Uh, you know, half decade or so, uh, I bring him back in a fairly big way. Hmm. And so uh, this uh, this is something that, you know, I I am just delighted with how it turned out. Um, you know, I, I look at the works of my career fiction-wise and, you know, I can say, you know, uh, probably among the most important or the biggest works that I've done or the ones that I feel most strongly about uh, – you know, for different reasons, Knights of the Old Republic in part because, uh, yeah, it had cool characters, but also it was so long. Uh, it was, <laughs> it was a big part, it, big, big, long series. You know, Marvel's putting these things out in these big 400 page editions and, you know, there's going to be three of them. So, <laughs> so, you know, this is, this is a, that was a sprawling thing. You know, it wasn't entirely, you know, perfect though. I mean, it was uneven because you know, the vagaries of doing comics. Yes. Um, artist changes and you have various other things that would come along. Uh, but you know, I, I feel strongly about that though, because as a body of work, that was, that was a massive thing. Um, you know, among the novels, you know, probably Kenobi, I feel the best about in the sense that I don't think I would change a word. 
I think you know, on the execution side of things, uh, you know, it was as good as I could have made it. Yeah. Uh, and this, you know, and again, everything that comes out of your keyboard feels great when you're writing it. But at least at the at the distance of somebody who has had to read these books now five six times, uh, <laughs> I I feel uh, about as strongly about this as I feel about the other two because it's got a it's got an even dose of both things. I mean it's it I think it's I think the execution is really really good and it's big. I mean it's it's you know a third of a million words we're talking about here that. People that people are going to get in monthly installments, right. uh, and starting at the end of September. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I, some of those copies are actually starting to get out into the wild now because they had, they had them at Star Trek mission, New York. Oh. Uh, and, uh, and I, I, I will be, uh, you know, certainly, uh, looking forward to, you know, talking more about the book once I can actually talk more about the book. Absolutely. Um, Kenobi, so, um, the book. Yeah. yeah. So Kenobi is a Genesis of our podcast. Because um, we reviewed it, we got to we th- we were all, the three of us uh, were all like, "Hey, we love Star Trek or Star Wars." We're in Star Trek mode right now. Yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is a Star Wars podcast, but we're all we're like, "We love Star Wars books." We read the, at the time it was still the EU, and I'm like, "Hey, we we should do a fill in show for for our buddy Rico, and we maybe we'll review a book." So we we did the uh, we said, "Well, this, this new Kenobi book is coming out," and I'm like, "Yeah, sounds sounds like something," and we just all loved it so much. Um, and it's, it's our high watermark still, even as we talk about the new continuity going forward, we're always, we always say, well, we haven't, you know, maybe have we had our Kenobi yet? And we're like, yeah, we haven't quite had the, our Kenobi yet. And, um, you know, I think uh, a couple of our listeners were like, we, they want to see like a follow up to that. And I don't know how possible something like that is because Kenobi sort of exists in the realm of legends now. Um, but I think Kenobi, the great thing that you did in that book was you gave me characters that weren't characters I knew that I really cared about, which, which is a tough thing to do in a star Wars book. Yeah. I mean, it was 90% told through other people's eyes. Right. And that, that was, I think the, the thing that really, uh, struck all of us was that like, Hey, you know, normally we're like, yeah, skip this, let's get to Han or, you know, but, um, no, I mean, that was, that was a really, uh, it really, I mean, that could easily, in my opinion, slip right into canon and be part of Obi-Wan's story, uh, after he got to Tatooine. I don't see any reason why that, that well, shouldn't I, be part of it. I agree, and that's one of the reasons why it doesn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people are always, how do you feel? How do you feel? Well, it's still on my shelf. Exactly. You know, I just mean, went, just went to a fifth printing and paperback. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I can't complain, uh, about, about that. Uh, yeah. Can they do something with it? Would they do something with it? I think it would be wonderful. Uh, could we do something more? I think it would be wonderful. Um, <laughs> again, uh, but that's not because necessarily I, I, you know, really want to reinvent the wheel or, or, you know, coast on, uh, you know, however good that thing was. Yeah. Anything that was going to be a sequel of something that people loved is always going to be, you know, people are going to compare it against the original and you're stuck there. Uh, you know, the reason that I would want to do it is because I think the character and the setting are, are fascinating. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot to be done there. Um, but, but it was definitely written to be a completed work. And, um, you know, if, if that's all, you know, if, if that's the if that's the period exclamation point end of sentence on it, um, you know that's that that's fine. I wrote it to sort of be that. Um, yeah. Knights of the Old Republic. It was it, it was a little different because uh, it was a series. It was a serial from the beginning, and uh, you know I, we never knew when it was going to end. Uh, and then even when it ended, it came back. So, um, and, and, you know, people are saying, well, do you like the way that, that it, that it, that it ended? And it's like, well, no, because we kind of had the idea that we were going to do a few more series after that. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a stopping point where I'm satisfied, you know, that, that, you know, that, you know, with where the character is at that moment. Uh, but yeah, certainly, uh. Uh, it's probably not a stopping point for the entire cast as it would have been if we had just stopped at issue 50. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes you have those natural ending points and then, you know, this, like you said, the series starts again and then you're sort of uh, back to ongoing. And then it's very hard in comics. Like I think I heard the other day, which was a pretty f- interesting point. Comic books are all second act. 
right? Mm. Because, you know, uh, especially, you know, your first act you get with the origin story and all that. But for the most part, comics are all second act. Like, you can't really have an ending because they're meant, yeah. to, they're meant to go on and on and on. So... You know, that's so, exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so it's it's one of those things where, you know, in, in that case, I had you know, been told to bring the series to an ending so that we could they were doing some relaunches in uh, 2010 and they wanted me to do Night Errant. And so I brought it to to an ending. But when they said, well, we have a we want to do a miniseries. I was able to just go back in my notes and say, well, okay, well, I know what, I know what uh, Zane Kirk was planning to be doing uh, <laughs> or, or rather what I was planning to do with him in the next sequence. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what ended up happening with that story, which, which was different is that, uh, you know, I, I would originally have told that story with significant backstory, you know, B plot stuff with the other characters of the ensemble. I see. Uh, and, and here we're talking about the, the start, the the uh, the, the the war uh, storyline that we did, and what Dark Horse wanted was a solo book, uh, at least in the first storyline, uh, so that we didn't burden, you know, new readers with all the other you know, baggage of everybody else that we had. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of people felt at the time you who were reading it, that you, this was a team book. It was never a solo book. I always thought it was interesting just to, just to try it and see if the, see if it would work. Uh, but I also thought, yeah, we'll probably have a chance to go back and do a volume 11, volume 12, volume 13. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, it, but again, you know, with these things, you know, with comics in particular, where the wheel stops, nobody knows. Right. And so you always have to be willing to uh, put your ship into port wherever you have to go. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you know, Marvel's got the uh, license now, so who knows what could happen in the future? Obviously, I mean, you're not an unknown quantity, you know. Um, and neither are those books. Those books were were, were very popular. Uh, mm -hmm. Star Star Wars comics, so. You know, and I, I always I like that era because it's so far removed from what we know that like you can just sort of have a lot of fun with it. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to. You're not stuck. You're like you're not in Rogue One territory where you're like I'm. We're shoehorned into like this like one month time span or however long. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So like you know at the end of Rogue One, well, there's going to be some plans for this Death Star. So I mean, you kind of know where where it's going to end up, which is fine. I mean, it it it, it, it looks like it's going to be a really exciting movie. But I'm always a little bit more interested with exploring things that, you know, um, you know, that can be completely new in that universe. I always find oh, it yeah. interesting to see somebody play in the universe um, and just how, you know, other other things that exist in that universe that aren't beholden to um, things that we already know. Those are that's, well, always that's interesting. That's that's kind of what Rebels is. Right. Um, which, of course, ties into the, the New Dawn novel that I did. I mean, Rebels is. Yeah, none none of these people were anybody we'd seen before. That's true. Um, and so, uh, you know, it it kind of it kind of follows along uh, with them, and and then we bring in the the major characters as guest stars. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, and now we're getting Thrawn, which is very interesting. Um, oh yeah, that's that's uh, and and this is why you know when there was such hyperventilation about uh, and and you know I understand why uh, uh, about you know the canon. Uh, you know, it to me it looked like something where, you know, folks just wait and see. Uh, in a few years, things may look quite different. Yeah. Um, obviously, things were were having to look, you know, a certain way at the beginning as they're retooling and getting ready for the new movies. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but you know, once you get further in, uh, you know, you can do a number of different things. I think the key is just that we don't end up in a situation where you're just taking the old universe and hitting the remix button. Uh, so you're, so all you're doing is seeing the moments from the original EU redone and, you know, slightly different form. That was the, that was the flaw of, uh, into darkness. I think, uh, oh, on, yes. Star, on Star Trek was, it was this, yeah, it was just, uh, it was the previous, you know, it was wrath of Khan on puree, you know, I mean, <laughs> they put it in a, put it in a blender and they shook it up and, yeah. and here you go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the problem is in, in wrath of Khan earned a lot of those beats where I don't think that, at a, at a point where these characters are sort of just getting to know each other, that you earn some of that stuff as much as you did in Wrath of Khan. Like, you know, 
uh, Spock's death in in Wrath of Khan it means a lot more than than Kirk's in in Into Darkness. Oh yeah, because because these guys have known each other for two and a half hours. Yeah, I and, mean, th- yeah. that we have seen. That we've seen. So, Obviously, in the in the in the universe, it's like about a year. Yeah. Um. So that's why I thought that the latest one was better. It seemed to to be a little bit more like on track with with what I would uh, expect it to be. Of course, unfortunately, it didn't it didn't do as well financially, which I don't think seems to matter. They seems they st- seem to still be moving ahead with the fourth one, which which is fine. I just hope they don't say, "Oh, we made us a, a, a more of a Star Trekky Star yeah. Trek movie," so we better not do that again. No, um, I don't know. It's well, well, obviously, we'll we'll see. It, I, I think um, the third movie just didn't have the benefit of all of the the Benedict Cumberbatch bud, <laughs> buzz in front of it. You know, that's and, true. That's true. And so you had that going on. And also, I always look at what else is what else is in the theaters. Uh, what else is going on? Such a busy uh, you know, year. Such a, a, busy a whole year. a whole lot of movies didn't do that great this summer. So I mean, it's uh, you know, and the ones that did well were kind of surprising. So yeah, uh, I mean, this this reminds me of Star Trek Five that came out in the summer of Batman and Ghostbusters oh, yeah. Two, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. There was so many movies clustered right around that time that there just wasn't any kind any kind of room. And the same thing this year. It's like one after another after another of these that was tent poles. St- Trek five. I was a student um, at uh, University of Tennessee. I was uh, uh, editing the campus paper that fall, and I was there for the summer session. And so I, I hired myself as the movie reviewer. And I uh, I remember being there, and uh, and uh, that's yeah. I I gave I gave uh, I gave Trek five a pretty good review. Uh, and uh, and but uh, you know then the, yeah you're right that was. We go immediately that from that into Ghostbusters uh, two and yeah. Uh, yeah, then into Batman, which I saw in the theater twelve times. So I that know. tells you tells you where I'm at uh, <laughs> on, on that. But uh, you know, I mean, there was a there was a you know the second Timothy Dalton James Bond movie was that oh, yeah, License to Kill was that, that like... yeah it was License to Kill I I really liked it oh uh, so fantastic and uh, and uh, then uh, also we got. Uh, uh, Lethal Weapon Two, I believe Big, it was huge movie, huge movie. Yeah, and and then, so, of course not to mention Indiana Jones. That was uh, the beginning. It was yeah. I, it was that like May. That was May. So yeah, that was that was May. That was so so yeah. Eighty nine uh, was pretty darn good um, for for that kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean you always have to look at what's going on. I think uh, it was it was either Trek Five or Ghostbusters. I think maybe Trek Five was out of the theater at that point. I think it was I think it was Ghostbusters. Uh, one of our theaters in Knoxville. What they did was, uh, and this is again all happening in June of '89. Uh, that Batman was doing so well, they wanted to put it on an additional screen, but they didn't have uh, you know the extra film, the real, uh, <laughs> real. And so what they were doing was they were actually stringing the film in between the projection booths. They ripped Ghostbusters 2 out of one room. Wow. They were stringing it between them. Uh, That's uh, fascinating. Yeah, and so uh, I remember at that theater uh, that we were getting film breaks by the end of the (laughs) – by the end of my uh, 12-time viewing by the end of the summer, and I guess maybe that's why. I don't know. Film, Uh, film, by the way, kids, is stuff they used to show – put a light through and you'd see a movie through it, and now it wasn't wasn't a 4K digital presentation. (laughs) Oh yeah, so, uh, but uh, but but yeah. Obviously, this is a this is a you know this is a side side trip here. But it, it I think it's important when people are looking back, whether they're talking about how well Star Trek did when it was originally on, or how well these individual movies did. Yeah, that's a big question. What else was in the theater? Uh, yeah. What else was going on? Uh, and so you know, I think. Uh, wasn't Trek Three? Wasn't that the the original Ghostbusters summer? Uh, I think, it, yeah, yeah, it was. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's there's, and of course you had uh, Indiana Jones uh, too then as well. So uh, these things all seem to land on each other. You would think that, <laughs> you would think Paramount in particular would try to space out their Indiana Jones and their uh, Star Trek. Yeah, uh, I mean. You know, uh, they had a whole year. I mean, this. I think this. What they did was like Marvel did with Civil War was put it right at the beginning of the summer. Like before summer even started, you had your Batman and Superman. You had your Civil War, and those movies were yeah. able to really hog up all the uh, real estate because there wasn't much going on. I don't know why, for the life of me, they do this where they just say every week has to be something that's going to suck up sixty per sixty to seventy percent of the uh, movie going population. I think it's. I think it's because they know that they make half their domestic money right there. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, or more of it. It's the you know the opening weekend, the drop off of these things. Even the popular movies, you know, the drop off is sixty you know, percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think I think the best you can hope for is to you know go down by you know thirty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, you know, when you have something like Force Awakens do the numbers that it does, and in December, which they thought was physically impossible, yeah. uh, you know, that, that, that's, uh, that's kind of amazing. I'm starting to really kind of like this, this, this uh, Christmas Star Wars uh, combo, because last year it was, it was new, but you know what? It kind of gave the holidays a Star Wars feeling, and I was perfectly okay with that. I was like, you know, well, so I'm getting we, used we, to it. We've run out of summer weekends yeah, exactly. because of all these other things, and... And also, I don't know about anybody else, but I mean, certainly as 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 a writer, um, you know, I find that I really prefer going to movies when the weather stinks. Uh, sure. I would I get out the, of the house so rarely that I kind of begrudge having to go sit in a dark room uh, when it's light outside. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're, the sun's shining. The weather's beautiful. Let me go sit into this. It is dark room and stare at a screen I'm, like I haven't been doing that forever. Um, you know, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really, um, like I say this all the time, like we're living in this, like a a golden age. If you, if you grew up like me in the eighties, uh, or, uh, you know, or whenever, and, and being a geek was not exactly a thing where you could walk around and be proud of, uh, at least in my school. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, and now all of a sudden I got these jocks talking about, oh, so, you know, asking me about Captain America and all these others, like, like now that the Netflix shows are on, like, so what's the deal with the daredevil and, and all these and the kingpin and, you know, I got I get I get to sit there and talk about like th- you know second tier, third tier Marvel characters or DC. We're, we're characters. suddenly we're suddenly of use, and that is very <laughs> strange. Um, exactly. Now I remember I, I wrote a, a column for a Comics Buyer's Guide, which is you know where I spent the first half of my career more or less um, uh, working for for them. I wrote a column about reading comics in public, and it, it was titled "Have We No Shame?" Uh, because you know, I, if I'm, I was observing, and this was like 2004, or 2005. I was observing that, you know, I would be reading uh, a comic book or something like that in public, and even then, I would still hide it behind something or a newspaper or whatever. Um, I just tended not to do that because back in the day, uh, the day being the 80s, uh, you, know, you could get ragged on for that. Sure, um, and and. Uh, you know, there was that moment where, you know, everybody in junior high read comics. And then the second that you got off the bus for high school, uh, at least in my case, people didn't want to hear about it anymore. And that was fine by me because I absorbed everybody else's collections. (laughs) Um, and actually that probably set me on the path that I'm on now because it forced me to turn outward, uh, from my local, you know, my local fandom, it forced me to go find the local comic store. It forced me to go find the local conventions, and it forced me to subscribe to Comics Buyer's Guide and um, you know start doing my own fanzines and things where I was communicating with people around the country. Yeah. I don't know that I would be doing what I'm doing now uh, if I hadn't had to externalize uh, my fandom. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I mean now you know you can find a convention just uh, at your laptop and uh if you uh you know it, it, it's pretty rare that uh you know the uh you know the, the it's pretty rare that you will get flack at all for reading comics or manga or anything else like that or role playing yeah uh you know i i i, I don't know how to be uncool anymore that's <laughs> a- yeah exactly you know i i think you know, I mean, at this point, I'm uncool. I'm like doing fantasy football and reading comic books. I mean, I don't even know where I am anymore. I, it's like oh, gonna... fantasy football is another one. I mean, <laughs> this like... was this was rotisserie baseball, as yes. we used to call it. Yes. Oh yeah, uh, or as as I used to do it, I was uh, I was a big war gamer, and uh, Avalon Hill produced a line of status pro basketball and football, uh, you know, and baseball games. And, you know, the whole notion of sitting down with a, a, a theoretical baseball game that you're playing or a theoretical football game or, or whatever, and, you know, coaching your team uh, or selecting your players or having a draft, yes. that was peculiar. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and now everybody, I mean, I, today, in the, in my office as a professional person, I screamed out loud because somebody picked up Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, instead gosh. of me, and I was very upset. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, yeah. and I'm, and I mean, I was really upset. And I'm like, 
and you know what? Because you know a lot of the people in the office are doing it. It sort of becomes this sort of communal thing, which I think is what it becomes with like you know conventions. I mean, I was talking about how conventions used to be so small. You go to conventions now, and it's like I'm in Times Square. I mean, I, I remember going where you know there was some yeah. a couple of you know smaller guests, maybe somebody that was in a regular on a series, and then you know a dealer's room, and there was a few hundred people that would show up, and it was just a nice oh, yeah. a nice sort of event. Now it's like boy, oh boy, it's like a media circus. You know what I mean? So. Well, yeah, it's it's uh, you know sort of the the new the new county fair uh, is what it is. I mean, <laughs> people go into these things. Oh yeah, I mean it's uh, you know we used to have these uh, you know and and we we still do in some rural parts of the country. Uh, and we'll have uh, we'll have the corn roaster, whatever, and they'll they'll have uh, the parade and the music and the and the other things. But uh, yeah, to put it all under one roof, uh, it's it's just strange that it's become what it's become. So weird. Uh, and you know, I, I obviously I like it. I, I can make a living in this kind of a world uh, <laughs> to a degree. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I I think it's uh, you know that is that is something that has changed. And you know, I think the fact that these things have this kind of longevity. I mean, Star Trek at fifty years, Star so Wars weird. just about just Star Wars just about to hit forty. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it really is something where it's been part of people's lives for a long time. And if you, if you haven't learned to accept it yet, uh, <laughs> you might as, you might as well just for, you might as well just go do something else. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, no, I mean, we, we, we no longer have shame about reading comics or watching science fiction or playing role. I guess, I guess if there is anything, it's that competitive, that competition between fandoms or between little, you know, one fandom is a little geekier than another. One <laughs> one subset is a little, you know. Okay, you talk fantasy sports. I have on occasion had a fantasy golf team. Wow. So I mean, well, that's really Niche. really geeky. That's really geeky. I mean, that's that's that's, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, so uh, that is uh, that is. Uh, obviously, and, and it's part of our desire to take everything and make a game out of it. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, um, so we're we're talking. So this is so we are on the cusp of the fiftieth uh, anniversary of Star Trek. So if you were, can you pick a episode of Star Trek uh, that you treasure above all? Oh wow! Or, uh, I know that's a hard one. Uh, I, I mean, series wise, I guess it'd be easier. I mean, I think I. I think I have one that I think is is what I or, no you know what I got like five really I mean it's hard to pick I mean I I go with episodes like uh, Inner Light Far Beyond the Stars City on the Edge of Forever things like that that are sort of yeah worse. those are those are all in anybody's top you know in yeah. top five or ten list um yeah I really in Next Generation I really strongly value all the Klingon Empire episodes oh yes uh so you know Sins of the Father uh you know, Rightful Heir. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the you know, some of the Klingon Civil War episodes are a little uneven in places, but yeah, once a uh, showed up, <laughs> well, that, that makes things a little complicated yeah. trying to find a place for that. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, certainly, uh, you know, uh, episodes that just play with the whole concept of being where they are and, uh, and everything, uh, and, and doing what they're doing. You know, I have on my wall here, uh, 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 you know, an autograph from uh, uh, Daniel Davis who plays Moriarty. Oh, yes. uh, I thought that was I thought that was brilliant. Ship in a uh, bottle. Ship in a bottle is brilliant. Yes. Uh, I love that thing, uh, that episode, and I I remember watching it with my mother when it was actually on the first time, and she had no idea what was going on, and I was like. This is cool. I can't explain why, but this whole idea is a cool idea. And it's uh, had ramifications that in the novels that oh, episode. Oh yeah, has ha- well, obviously last year did, and um, really just it, ma- it makes you think about the te- the level of technology that exists in that universe. Uh, Takedown, in fact, uh, was I don't want to say it's a rewriting or a reiteration or anything like that, but. My plan had always been, had I ever gotten a chance, and this goes back, you know, 15, 20 years, had I ever gotten a chance to write a Trek novel, I wanted to write a Moriarty novel. Oh, yes. And uh, I figured out that I had a way to bring him back and, uh, and, and deal with it all. And it would, whatever the situation was going to follow, I hadn't written yet, but it, I imagine it wouldn't have been too much different than what you see happen in Takedown. Yeah, okay. Um, 
And and so uh, you know when I found out, actually it was it was in the very beginning I was pitching, and they said, yeah, we can't 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 use Moriarty. We've got him uh, coming back. I think it's uh, Light Fantastic, Light, which is a very very great. It's a very good novel. And you know, bless him for getting the opportunity to get that out there first. <laughs> <laughs> he beat you to the punch. But that's okay, because uh, I'm I'm really satisfied with uh, you know what we did instead, and. Uh, so uh, because it was able to sort of turn it on its head, you know, prey is another one of those things where you know, I began with the notion of here's this thing I want to do where I'm setting the Federation and the, uh, the Klingon Empire at odds. But how I got to that point did transform from you know, the first version of the plot to, to the final one. Um, and uh, again, I'm really satisfied with the way that it went. And, you know, it's better for having taken – uh, that extra time. Hmm. Um, so yeah, those books are coming out last week, September, last week, October, last week no- of November. Uh, and then I have two other books coming out uh, from a single license uh, that I hadn't worked with before. Uh, I One of them I just have in my hands uh, right now, showed up today, uh, comes out on the 20th of September. Uh, it is uh, a Halo book, uh, Halo Fractures, Tales, Extraordinary Tales from the Halo Canon. Huh. Uh, and uh, this is uh, an anthology. It's a trade paperback anthology. Uh, looks at the back. It runs $16. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, this has stories by Matt Forbeck, who writes some other uh, uh, Halo novels, uh, Morgan Lockhart, James Swallow. That's a name from Star Trek. Yes. Uh, Christy Golden, that's a name from Star Trek and Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph Staten, Frank O'Connor, John Jackson Miller, who who is that guy? Uh, <laughs> Troy Denning, there's another uh, Star Wars author right there who uh, also has a Halo novel out. Kelly Gay, Frank O'Connor, Brian Reed, Tobias Bakel, and Kevin Grace. Uh, these are all stories from various parts of the Halo uh, continuity uh, timeline. Uh, mine goes way back and includes uh, the Forerunners. So that's a oh cool. That's a, that's a group from uh, from the very distant past of Halo. Uh, and then in October, from Dark Horse, I've got comics coming out again. This is a graphic novel for Halo, uh, also an anthology, and uh, it is called Halo: Tales from Slipspace. Uh, mm-hmm. And these are all stories that take place. I believe all of them to do take place after. Uh, Guardians after Halo 5 and um, you know mine is an original story it's a you know, very much a military science fiction story that uh, takes place uh, and uh, basically it picks up right where the uh, the game leaves off so uh, that is that is fun there's several other authors in that that's Dark Horse that's sometime in October in hardcover actually uh, and, uh, then I have a number of, a uh, n- number of, uh, other reprint books coming out. Uh, uh, all my mass effect stuff is coming out in an omnibus from dark horse in November. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, the second half, second half, second third of Knights of the old Republic <laughs> comes out in March from Marvel. Uh, that's, uh, the legends epic collection for the old Republic, uh, that's when that comes out. That's exciting because they're including all of the old text pages that I used to do that Dark Horse never reprinted. And also uh, they're including for the first time the handbook that I did for Knights of the Old Republic, never reprinted anywhere. That's got some great art, including some cross-section designs of ships uh, that Dustin Weaver drew for us. Um Actually, he drew the he drew the cross sections before we even had a, a handbook, and we said, you know, we need to do a handbook to actually make a place to put these things in. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yes, that that comes out in March. Uh, one more licensed uh, property that uh, I'm working with for the first time, and we we just uh, we just uh, announced uh, this uh, this uh, this uh, this. Uh, this the uh, in January, Titan Books is putting out an anthology of uh, prose stories uh, called Planet of the Apes, Tales from the Forbidden Zone. Oh, boy, you're uh, in my wheelhouse. I can't. I'm looking forward to that. And those all have to do with the original five movies and oh, the TV yeah. show. Oh, that's, and that's so funny. and there's a number of different uh, authors that are involved in that, uh, including myself. 
I I know that uh, Dayton Ward, also another Star Trek author, he's in there, um, and uh, and there's uh, uh, there's several others, uh, and it's it's just going to be a I think a really cool uh, you know, thing because uh, I, they're 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 bringing back uh, in that time frame. Uh, because they're approaching the, the next apes movie yeah. uh they're they're bringing back uh in that time frame they're gonna they're gonna re-release the adaptations for the original five movies uh although of course the the first wasn't an adaptation it was the actual novel itself uh but yeah those are some books from some fairly you know big name authors uh you know that they were able to get back in the 70s to do those things hmm. i think jerry pornelli wrote the one for escape uh, and I was able to draw upon that because my story overlays the events of Escape from Planet of the Apes. Uh, so that is that is really uh, going to be fun. Uh, Greg Cox, that's another uh, author that people could be familiar with from sure. uh, Star uh, Star Trek. Uh, uh, Bob Greenberger, he's in this thing as well. Uh, quite a long list of people. That comes out January 24th. So there we go. That's quite a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... I just pre-ordered that planet of the apes book because boy oh boy that that's a happy those are all happy place movies for me i i I love the i love those that original series so much oh my goodness so that's fantastic it's it's part of you know some of those movies are part of you know sort of this this obviously this chain of depressing movies from the 70s yes and there's a there's a subset within them depressing movies from the 70s that had scenes set in real life uh, office buildings or public malls. So I, so I always think that you know, uh, Conquest, Conquest of the Planet of the right. Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which is like in, a, in an office uh, center, Century City, I think, in Holly, uh, in California. Yeah. yeah, that that one belongs in a double feature with Logan's Run. Oh yeah, which is uh, you know, it takes place uh, in a place where you know the the doorway to it looks like the Dallas Market Center because it actually is. Uh, so not to mention that in Escape, they were in regular times any in the seventies anyway. You know. Well, so. and that's well, that's what I love about what my story. Uh, which is called Murderer's Row. It actually is about that sequence where you have Cornelius and Zira moving around in high society with all the Hollywood types. Oh, that's great. Uh, and and so I got to write sort of a a, a television uh, you know pastiche of what was what was going on in the media at that time because it had been canonized in that movie that it definitely was 1973. Right. Um, so whatever else is different in the timeline, uh, you know, we were, we we're, we we're, we were, it was okay for me to go forward from there. Uh, and you know, how any of this stuff actually connects with the larger apes verse, I couldn't tell you. Uh, but they, they, they made the decisions and I, I had fun with it. That sounds great. I, I, lo- I, that's, I love, I love anything from that universe. I, I like the vinyl models, you know, I mean, I all that stuff. Just, that's great. Wow. You really, um, You've really done well for for a, a guy that was afraid to read comics back in the day. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, getting, getting all this stuff out this year has been hard. So right. i I basically took a you know the last couple of months I've been proofreading and promoting and uh, you know redesigning my website and I'm I haven't really written you know a, a word since then just because it's it's been. Uh, you know, I, 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 I had all that stuff, uh, you know, in that, in that, in, in that sequence, uh, you know, we, we talk about, you know, short stories or sprints and, and novels or marathons, uh, and, you know, a trilogy, uh, is, I guess a triathlon. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, well, I don't know. It's actually, that, that might not be the right, uh, thing. When I was doing Knights of the Old Republic, the co- or not Knights of the Old Republic, when I, when I was doing Night Errant, the comics and the novel, that was kind of like the biathlon because that was two different, uh, you know, two different, uh, you know, two different events back to back. Uh, but this is like running a, a marathon in, in three consecutive days. Wow. So it's, yeah. it's a little exhausting. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I can imagine. I mean, you know, I mean, to flesh out all that, that much story, I mean, it's, and you got to have like your, 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 uh, virtual head on a swivel, you know, you're, you're like, you're, oh, you have to, I'm sure you're always back checking yourself and it's just, it's, it's gotta be, gotta be daunting, but Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you, everybody get the first book and pray comes out on September the 27th, uh, put it in your face, 
Uh, yes, and you, you know you know that John brings it. So just uh, do uh, and say go on the internet and say nice things. Uh, <laughs> you know the more the more reviews these things have, the more sort of you know, velocity they get, and yeah, you know it's particularly with three books in a row like this. Uh, you know we're going to want to keep the interest up as much as possible. Yeah, I I love I love these Star Trek trilogies. Uh, I love the way they're doing the books now. It's really just fantastic. So I really uh, can't thank you enough for. Uh, Showing up on the uh, nearly the 50th anniversary of uh, Star Trek. It will be by the time this goes out. Uh, so, thanks a lot, John. Hey, I appreciate it.